with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom belonged to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Today is the very last Sunday of our liturgical calendar, and next week we begin a new calendar, the first Sunday of Advent, the season of preparation for Christ. And we can see the last Sunday, the Feast of Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, is the Church's way of saying at the end of the day, what's the last word we can say about who God is? and who we are in relationship to God. In some ways, the last word is you will, the culminating moment, the great insight into who God is. So this morning, to take a moment and say, what do we celebrate when we name Christ as King? And the first insight is that Christ's reign is forever. It's the only thing that remains. That second reading we heard from the very last book of the Bible. What's the last book of the Bible? Oh boy, I didn't expect this to be that. This is the only Mass. Well, I'm not going to put that on you. Let's just say even at the, the, the early Mass before the sun comes up, the, the crowd had a little more energy, a little more life. I'm not going to say this is the most dead Mass I've ever been to, but you're in the running, so let's try it again. I'm going to call you out. This needs, this needs to be challenged a little bit. Totally passive here. You know, enter into full participation, right? The last book of the Bible is Revelation, right? 
that sense of God revealing himself, John has this insight where it says Jesus Christ is the great witness, the firstborn of all creation and the king of all kings, naming Christ as king. And then in a very unique moment, Jesus himself speaks in the vision. Doesn't really happen anywhere else in the Bible where Jesus speaks in a vision. And he uses a kind of alphabetical analogy. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. From A to Z, I am king. Indeed, right? He is the king of all creation, of the whole universe. It's a comforting reminder that Christ's reign is forever. I am who is, who was, and will be forever. You know what that means? It means everything else in life is going away, right? What's the old adage? What are the two guarantees in life? The two things that are guaranteed in everyone's life? Death and taxes. <laughs> and not necessarily in that order, right? <laughs> Death and taxes. Well, the church, the very last Sunday of the year, says that truly there's only one thing that remains. One thing that's guaranteed. That's Christ's reign is victorious. It's forever. It's the foundation of our faith. The source of our hope. This is comforting news, a good reminder, because there are times in our lives and there are occasions when our perspective in life, our horizon, is nothing but struggle and challenge and chaos. So either dealing with illness of body, mind, or spirit, and whenever we're struggling, whenever there's challenges, it seems like our whole world is nothing but that challenge, nothing but that struggle, right? This is the ultimate perspective, that in the end, Christ's reign is the only thing that remains. I remember uh, when I was in college, struggling a little bit. It was my first time away from home. Uh, the studies were not uh, easily to come naturally to me at that moment. And I remember getting a letter from my aunt. And you think, gosh, who writes a letter these days, right? <laughs> it's all email or text or other ways. I got a handwritten letter from her. And it was just a letter of encouragement in which she said, you know what, let me share something that my mother, my grandmother, would share with me when I was struggling a little bit. He says, whatever struggle you're facing, whether hardship is in your life, remember, this too shall pass. <laughs> this too shall pass. And it might seem like a cliche, but it's exactly what I needed in that moment. In this moment, the church reminds us, this last day of the year, whatever struggle, challenge, or darkness you're facing, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Only one thing remains, and that is Christ's reign. Only one thing remains, Christ's reign. And that's comforting, is it not? Christ is victorious. And as comforting as that is, there's a bit of a challenge on the other side of it. This is that second aspect. 
And that is the source of Christ's kingship. The source of his reign is surprising. It's not, in fact, we would expect a kind of political kingship or a sense of power and authority, but Christ reigns because he obeys. Go to that first reading from Daniel. What do we have? We've got Daniel in this vision of seeing the ancient one, God the Father, if you will, seated upon his throne with the myriads of hosts and angels attending, and then one like the Son of Man, right, who comes, we take this to be Jesus, the anointed one, the Christ. Actually, had earlier at the children's uh, liturgies, I asked, who's, who's Christ? And they said, oh, it's Jesus' last name. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, no, it's not Jesus' last name. It's a title for Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah. And in that moment, in this vision, Jesus does what? Does he claim kingship? Does he take it for himself? Exert his power and authority? No, he receives it from the ancient one. He receives it from his Father as his will is done. That sense of obedience, the Son of Man, one like the Son, is obedient to the Ancient One, to his Father. St. Paul puts it this way, though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. He empties himself obediently accepting even death, what? Death on a cross. We see this in the, the setup of our sanctuary. There's a kind of, if you will, uh, dialogue, a statuary here. This church, you can always know the name of the church. I know our docents are here. How do we know when this church was founded? It was founded when the Feast of Christ the King was implemented in 1925. Pius XI. And we had an empty niche right there. And we say, what's the latest feast day just declared by the church? Christ the King. So there he is. Christ the King. Crown. He's got the whole world literally in his hands. And yet, when you move from that Christ the King, kind of triangle motion to the focal point of Christ's crown of thorns on the cross. Jesus reigns because he obeys. That is the crown of Christ. It's only in relation to the cross of Christ. His reign is activated by his obedience with Father's will, only because he obeys can he enter into his reign. And this is challenging because it has implications for us. I'm assuming all of us here, we want to reign with Christ, don't we, right? We take a comfort in the fact that Christ's reign remains. And if we're entered into to share in Christ's reign, Christ is activated by obedience. What does that mean for us? It means we too must <laughs> obey. We must too embrace the cross that has been given each one of us. And this can be a difficult thing. It leads us to this virtue of obedience. Christ reigned because he obeys. We too are called to obey the Father's will. Now, what does the word obey mean? Does anyone know it's a, it's a Latin word? And it means, yeah, see Mariana saying right there, it means, it comes from the word to listen. To listen. The strength and the virtue of obedience is to listen, in particular, to listen to the Father's voice, the ancient one. It's interesting because we can struggle to do this in our own lives. We see how 
Those who know Jesus have a different expectation for him. Who do they think Jesus is going to be as the Messiah? A political ruler, a kind of king which will free them from the oppression of the Romans. In fact, what's the last question the apostles asked Jesus, those who know him best? They preached, taught, and healed with him, suffering, death, resurrection, hung out with him for 40 days before he ascends. Oh, he's going to ascend yet? What do they say? Lord, is the time come? Are you going to be king now? Are you going to kick these Romans out, right? They're still at that wavelength. Pilate in the gospel today, Pilate is confused or he's befuddled. What does he say? Chuck beautifully proclaimed that gospel where Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus is like, well, who told you that? And he goes, well, my kingdom's not of this world. And then Pilate gets all kind of subtle and smart. Oh, so you are a king. I caught you. And Jesus says, no, what? For this I've come into the world to do what? To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who hears the truth does what? Listens. There's that obedience again. If you want to come into Christ's kingdom, this kingdom not of this world, to share in his reign, you need to listen to his voice. No crown without the cross. And the crown comes through the obedience, listening to the Father's will. So this is why when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, Lord, how should we pray? Well, call God Father, right? Hallow, holy is your name. And then pray for that kingship, right? Thy kingdom come. How is it? that Christ's kingdom come? How is it that he's king in our lives? When what? When? Thy will be done. I assume we know the Our Father here. <laughs> Thy will be done. There's that connection. Kingship. Thy kingdom come when? Thy will be done. You were obedient when we listened. The will to the voice. Heavenly Father in our lives. Give you an example of this in terms of prayer. Sometimes, even for myself, I consider in terms of my prayer life, openness to God. I say, okay, my prayer is about informing God of what I need. <laughs> God, you're busy. I know you got a lot to do. <laughs> I've got this need, and my prayer is informing God. I need X, Y, or Z. I'm struggling a little bit here, as if God doesn't know, right? Right? Does prayer somehow change God's mind or inform him of something he doesn't know? No. To the contrary, prayer asks us to pray, to open ourselves to listen to what he wants and is eager to give us in that way. Right? We see this in the agony in the garden. What's the first image or the first story of a garden in the Bible? Adam and Eve, did they listen to God? disobedience, grasping for that apple. Jesus enters into a garden for his mission, the garden of what? Gethsemane. And he prays the prayer of obedience. What does that sound like? Father, if this cup, it's the cup, suffering and death, if this cup can pass from me, amen, right? <laughs> Let it be, right? He's not eager. He prays from his heart. He prays for what he wants, if you will, at a human level. And yet, what does he have? But Thy will be done. That's what the prayer of obedience sounds like. Lord, here's what I want. <laughs> the suffering, the stress, all that. Rather not, but thy will be done. 
on this feast of Christ the King, the last word the church speaks about who God is, a comforting reminder that in the end, only one thing remains, and that is Christ's reign. But if we are to share, if we are to participate in that, if we want to reign with Christ, to enter into his kingdom like Christ, we must obey. We must listen to the Lord in our lives. And so we pray, Lord, reign in us. Reign in me, Lord. Reign in my mind that I might have open ears to listen to your voice. Lord, reign in my heart that I might desire not simply what I want, but to be open to receive what I need. Lord, reign in my life that I might walk in your ways and that I might obey today and always. Amen. Amen. Amen.